1977, George Lucas unleashed the first film in what would become the never-ending Star Wars saga. The movie, Star Wars, would later be shuffled in order and dubbed Episode 4, A New Hope, with its two 1980s sequels making up the original trilogy. Then, in the mid-1990s, Lucas revisited his grand space opera in the movies after spending about a decade reaping the benefits of Star Wars licensing. After giving the original trilogy a quick update with 90s-era film technology, he returned to now what was billed as the saga of Darth Vader to add three prequel films to the official Star Wars canon. Finally, a scant few years ago, Lucas hung up his hat and sold Lucasfilm and the future of the Star Wars to Disney, who is not only making a sequel trilogy that takes place 30 years after the original trilogy, but reviving the animated TV presence of Star Wars and launching standalone anthology films. Star Wars might never end, for better or for worse, so the Fighting in the War Room podcast team has assembled to make Star Wars a topic of debate in a Star Wars special. Welcome to our third Star Wars special here at Fighting in the War Room. If you've listened to the previous two Star Wars specials, you know that we usually have a bunch of different topics and segments that are discussing Star Wars, and we had planned a whole bunch more retention quizzes and some other segments for this episode, just in case The Force Awakens came out and wasn't a big deal. I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, now living in a post uh, The Force Awakens world and having really enjoyed it uh, well most of us uh, including uh, Patches who came around to it uh, seeing it a second time as you're going to hear in this episode uh, we, I decided to throw out all the other stuff we're just going to dedicate this episode entirely to The Force Awakens um, that means there's going to be spoilers throughout uh, there aren't any like major spoilers or speculation until uh, like the second half of the podcast. So the structure of this is going to be we're going to start off by talking to Matt Patches about his attempt to avoid all Star Wars advertising uh, and posters and absolutely everything before seeing The Force Awakens and sort of what that experience taught him about spoilers and about Star Wars. And then, as you'll hear, um, myself... Uh, Katie Rich, Neil Miller, and Joanna Robinson will uh, continue with Patches and just start talking about uh, The Force Awakens and some of the plot points and our experience uh, with them and the franchise moving forward. So without further ado, it's just going to be one long The Force Awakens segment. Uh, let's, let's go!
we're back, but for the first time in the Force Awakens world, it's like a revolution around a sun that is under attack by the First Order. The sun is, is under attack? Alert? Is there a spoiler alert at the very beginning of this already? Wait, yes. has the, have the spoilers awakened in this podcast, or is that what you're saying? People are now uh, in the part where we can think about and talk about Star Wars The Force Awakens. Woo! But specifically, we have somebody with us that for three years has not lived in this world, so far away from this world, as a matter of fact, that even though I might have had some time to think about Kylo Ren and his differently shaped lightsaber, all of this was new to our friend Matt Patches, who several times on our podcast, and I imagine much more in his life, as he outlines in a piece for Thrillist, uh, he had to sort of duck around anything about Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, Matt, what ended up being a surprise to you, despite, I guess, David Ehrlich, who was your like your main adversary, it turned out? Yeah, he was the only person who truly probably spoiled something. Really? Yeah, I mean, because I had avoided most of the names and I hadn't seen any footage. That was very easy because it's really... Uh, 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 an adventure of self-restraint in some mm-hmm. ways. Like, I don't have to watch anything. The hardest part was being at movie theaters and, you know, walking out or, like, seeing commercials on television and walking out of the room and, like, putting my fingers in my ears and really just la-la-la-la-la to block out sound. That was very important to me. I didn't want to see anything. And then the hard part became, you know, navigating real life around Twitter and Facebook, these tools that we use in everyday life, and especially us, uh, people who have pop culture conversations and that's, you know, I, I say in my piece that just because I do this as a profession, you know, a lot of people were rolling their eyes like, why would you do this? Because I, if I wasn't doing it as a profession, I'd still be reading this kind of stuff and, and being a fan, and being a Star Wars fan. So this would still be very difficult because I'd have to cut a lot out of my life. Um, but it seemed all very easy. And then, of course, David sent me his top 10 or top 25 video. And I didn't. I knew Star Wars was not going to be on it because he sent it and released it before the movie came out. And he was very certain that he was, you know, I am not going to include Force Awakens on my top 25. I'm going to release the video. Will you check it out and make sure it doesn't have egregious errors? Sure. Then I watch it. And there's the Millennium Falcon. The Millennium fucking Falcon flying uh, around in the air. Which you opening. did not. But you knew Harrison Ford was in this movie. I that knew who was in it. I knew who was in it. I, you can't avoid things you don't know, right? Like, one day you're on Twitter and all of a sudden Adam Driver's going to be in the movie or something like that. You can't block it. a new it. name you have to filter out on your Twitter feed. Yeah, you just see people talking about it you see, or see someone take a picture. That was the hard thing, too. Like, you can put as many mute filters as possible and go dark. You know, Katie would text me. Our friend Jordan Hoffman would text me. Dave would text me just to tell me, like, get off Twitter. Stuff's happening, you know, uh, because yeah. you can't, at a certain point, you can't block stuff. Right. So you have to get you have to go dark, and I wasn't going to just co- go completely dark and you know be Ted Kaczynski and live in a cabin because then I couldn't function as a real human being. Although I had just gone on longer, you might have gone the Ted Kaczynski route. That's true. I would have had to go to a cabin and probably been arrested at some point, but I didn't do that. Um, but you can't block these sort of things. You can't. I, I knew the people in the movie, and that was pretty much the extent of what I knew going in. And you know, it was really disappointing to kind of see anything, even though you know, as I was told by. Everyone here on this podcast, um, you know, the, the clip of the Millennium Falcon, it's not a big deal. 
it was in the very first trailer, I think. Um, and since you knew Harrison Ford was in it, like the odds of the Millennium Falcon being in it were pretty high. Right. But, but this, I is, will this say... is the crux. This is the crux that just because something's in it doesn't is not the same as seeing it again in sure. motion. I will say that um, I think the Millennium Falcon reveal was maybe one of the best parts of the movie. Certainly got the most vocal reaction from my audience. I thought it was so well done. So but it's what a if, different shot than the one that's in the trailer. No, like, I know it is. Was, but yeah. Yeah, I know it is. But what if Patches like didn't even know them? Like, how much more exponentially great would that be if Patches didn't even know the Millennium Falcon was going to be in the movie? It's you know? true. It's true. I mean, yeah. And, and that's the best thing about the movie, that it's still a reveal. Like, everyone in our theater gasped. When the Millennium Falcon got its its switch pan to the Millennium Falcon, because we didn't know what she was talking about, and there was explosions, right. and we weren't overthinking the junk throwaway line, and boom, there it is. It's still surprising, which is a great so thing well about yeah. the movie. Um, it still gets you the the holy shit moment, as I've been saying. Um, but so, Dave, you're, to go way back to your question, what did I know going in, or what? Didn't I know? I mean, I think I, I guess. Think I remember, but... we started. We stopped talking about Star Wars altogether after the cast vote. The first reading photo was released. Did you see that? I did end up seeing that. Yeah, because my my was... entry was pretty slow. Like when J.J. Abrams came on board, that's when it was really kicked into high gear. That's when there was something to avoid. You know, I've been calling it my three year journey, and it's a little bit. I'm 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 fudging the details, but it's really been since the movie came out that it's been on my mind. But when J.J. Abrams got involved, that's when I was like, I should step back and I should start taking this pretty seriously. Um, But that was still a slow build because the the cast uh, photo kind of leaked. It was the cast photo was everywhere. I mean, the New York times front page, and this is when I stopped going to the New York times. It was the New York times front page. I mean, all the, yeah. And the poster was on the New York times front page. And I'll tell you why they have a module now that does like breaking updates. Um, so it's not like a one news story, but in this little module that's just as important, it's basically like an RSS feed for other stuff that they're linking out to. They'll mm-hmm. link to Variety. They'll link to all sorts of other sites. So that's where it popped up, and that's such a bummer. So we we uh, w- you know you and I talked a little while ago about how you didn't even want to predict what you thought was going to happen because you didn't even want to let your mind go there and you didn't want to sully it. But did you have any expectations? No, I had no expectations whatsoever. I did not know what the story was about. I didn't know. Most of us didn't either. I was talking to our, again, I was talking to Jordan Hoffman, our colleague, about, he was like, what character names do you know? And I'm like, the only thing I'd heard, I think I had read Kylo Ren at some point, very, like, years ago. I guess a year and a half ago. When would they have announced it? There was actually an EW whole, like, reveal of the names in trading card form, I think. Oh, going yeah. Back now. I remember that. It I've was been trying to the, yeah. I've been all the spoiler posts that I've missed, by the way, <laughs> in these last few days. Um, yeah, so it was I'm before the Vanity Fair spread, mm-hmm. but not much before. I feel right. like a month or two before. It was probably, like, sometime in the spring this year or, like, February. Yeah. And I definitely – it was this year, you think? I think so. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. VF spread was like in. Well, uh, whenever that happened, it was May. I accidentally. I think I read Kylo Ren, um, and then Dave got on my my Twitter app and muted everything. That is real friendship. <laughs> the other right day, yeah. the other day, you know, after I'd see the movie, I'm like, I'm, let me go unmute everything so I can <laughs> life again. And I must have unmuted like 50 terms. Dave was apologizing. Dave, what did you put on the thing that had nothing to do with the movie? Oh, and no, only- Con- Constable Zuvio was a character that didn't end up being in the movie. But I think I blocked <laughs> oh, that. Oh, no. Constable Patches, you missed Zuvio. all those Constable Zuvio tweets. Oh, uh, no. 
what, will, what have I missed? My whole life isn't complete. But yeah, so when uh, Jordan was texting me about what characters I knew, I'm like, I think there's a, like a Rilo Kylie. That's what I kept thinking. <laughs> Wait, no, that's a band. I think that was, I think that was a joke when uh, that name got announced. What? It is. Rilo still Kylie. Works. I mean, people made the Rilo Kylie joke when Did we were they? Like, oh. Ren. We should have well, been writing think... all the jokes down. We would have had like two hours of material for patches right now. I still think that uh, Poe Dameron is the stupidest name in the. Uh, oh, Dameron! <laughs> pretty funny. It's name. Such a terrible name. I also thought that the Rilo Kylie character was going to be Daisy Ridley, whose name I only—I oh. really did not. I could not remember her name at all. Like that, I knew John Boyega. I did not know this unknown person, and because it was blocked, I just did not think about it at all. I don't know. Um, and should, so I thought she Googled... was fun. Yeah. Name. Okay. But, Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, yeah, you were also. I remember I was sitting next to you, and I heard when Gwendolyn Christie's voice came out of Captain Phasma. I heard that you're surprised. Like you, that you definitely didn't know that was coming. No, I didn't know who she. I mean, I think I kind of knew who she, or I knew that she was in the movie, but I had no oh, idea who she was playing. Okay. So that that was probably my gasp. I knew most of the people in the movie. I did. You know. Uh, you know what I really gasped at? Domino Gleason. I did not. Ah. Of the movie, and I was like, "Yes, that's awesome!" As the, he as was the so target, great. Yeah. and yeah, he's so awesome. So and it's a, you know, if, if you're not like super up to date in your Donald Gleason, like it's easy not to recognize him too. Like he does not look really anything like he does in The Revenant, for example. Thank God for boring white guys. Yeah, uh, but like Dave, you, you know, you started this conversation by asking me what I didn't know. Well, I was more interested in what you guys felt like you already knew and what still surprised you because I know I walked out of the theater and I was like really guys a third death star the star killer base Jesus and every, and our colleague Chris Rosen of EW was like yeah we already knew that yeah and I'm like oh wow okay and they were everyone's like ready to stomach this kind of obvious Here's something I was <laughs> I'm surprised in retrospect I didn't know is that uh, Luke Skywalker has, is gone. Like every there was this whole thing about like where's Luke in the advertising? He hasn't shown up. Like a lot of people thought he was Kylo Ren. Like that was going to be the reveal. Um, but nobody really knew how big of a role he was going to have in the movie. So when the opening line of the crawl was Luke Skywalker has vanished, I was like, oh wow, they're like that's why. Like that's the secret they've managed to keep this long. I was I was now, impressed by the way they did that. Why did people think that Kylo Ren could be Luke? I was looking at the Vanity Fair photo shoot today, and it clearly says that Adam Driver is Kylo Ren. Dave. Because they thought it was like a... Well, I think they thought it was a con John Harrison, like, you know, switch-up mm. thing, because we hadn't seen Luke's face, and here's this masked character. So they're like, well, what if... Actually, I mean, it was stupid as theory. I think that's I, that's why I really wanted to remove myself from the rumors too, right? Like, what do well, what do rumors the- do to people? How do they warp perception of movies and create expectations? You know, Damon Lindelof gave an interview with Chuck Klosterman in Grantland maybe uh, uh, three four years ago while Lost was still on, and he talked about how, or maybe Lost had just finished. He doesn't want to write twists anymore. He doesn't want to write surprises into these scripts because it's too exhausting. And yeah. when you have to like stretch it out over an entire season or even, you know, the, the gauntlet of putting a movie the size of Star Wars out, you don't want to – it's so exhausting to create twists because then people try and figure them out. And they write many, 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 many other movies over the course of the lead-up to the movie or the TV show. And you find yourself like challenging those expectations, but you can't do anything about it because this is what you've chosen to do. And it's so detrimental to experience in, in theory, I guess. I, I had it to... very easy to avoid uh, 
spoil like theories and rumors and stuff like that. Like I know Dave is like very deep in it and it was very easy to tell Dave I wasn't interested and then not read them online. Um, so just for that part of it. Sorry, Joanna. Oh, no, it's okay. Well, Neil, Neil and Dave and Neil's I went here. pretty, yeah. Neil! <laughs> yeah. Yay. Neil and Dave, Neil. <laughs> Neil, that was my, that was me trying to get Neil into the conversation. Uh, Neil and Dave and I went pretty deep into like spoiler territory. Dave, uh, Dave with seven style. So uh, I knew almost everything, I think, as much as Dave knew, uh, I think. And down to him describing Snoke as Cat Voldemort. A giant cat Voldemort, I think, is how he describes Snoke. So, wait, really? Do we think he's going to be that big in real life, yeah. though? I, no, I don't. I, I, I think mean, it's an Oz sort of great and powerful. He's going to be protection. mini. I think he's going to be like two thirds the size of Kylo <laughs> Ren <laughs> and General Hux, which I think will be really funny. He'd be a little, like a little tiny half uh, withered Voldemort guy. So, mm. was everything yeah. you guys was everything you guys knew right? Though I haven't listened to that part of it yet. Almost everything. I would say the only thing is that I. Th- think dave thought we would learn more about ray who ray is yeah and then uh, it does seem like that may have been part of the movie i thought the lightsaber was the MacGuffin. i didn't know that the chip with the map was going to be the MacGuffin. the lightsaber is going to be a whole different thing should have known it's a jj abrams movie but he did i mean dave dave did say luke is barely going to be in it captain phasma is barely going to be in it going to be at the search for Luke, you know, uh, Han Solo is going to die, uh, Kylo Ren's going to kill him, like all this sort of stuff. Did you, know, did you predict Kylo Ren would be Luke's son? Uh, Han son? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. So like all of that was laid out for me. And actually, I think it, <laughs> I don't want to give Dave this, but I think it made my experience better because a lot of, a couple of the things that people found a little clunky, like some of the talk of of Kylo Ren being their son, I think it it wasn't maybe the smoothest reveal. But since I already knew it, it didn't bug me at all. I was just like, "Yep, uh huh," you know. Or yeah, you know, some some people complaining that like, "Oh, I saw that Han death telegraph." I was like, "Yeah, I saw a telegraph because Dave told me two months ago it was coming." I, and I so definitely, it uh, I definitely I found more cringeworthy moments the first time I saw it than the second time. Like when yeah. Han screams, "Ben." You thought, no, uh, you thought that was cringeworthy? I, yes, I love that. No, Matt, I love that because uh, he was about to say his name and I was sitting there going, whatever you say is going to sound so stupid. Whatever name, real world name comes out of your mouth that's not Kylo Ren is going to sound so stupid. And then, he said, ben, and then he said Ben yeah. and I was like, oh, it's Ben though. Yeah. That's great. Come on. I sat no, there trying to guess great. what the name was B and, and Ben was the name. that I mean, there aren't that many choices, but I did guess Ben. Oh, you guessed it. Oh, you're so smart. In my head. It was great the second time. It was much better. Like everything. I had a much better experience watching this movie a second time where I knew more about the characters. Like there's something to actually these levels of spoilerage um, to amplify your enjoyment of the movie. I was not caught up. You know, in the piece that I wrote, I basically said that I went to Star Wars and I saw a movie. And everyone else who's been following the movie caught up in it a little bit. Um, you know, even if you're not as Dave deep in spoilers, someone like Katie. Katie's just like mm. reading the things that come out. You're watching the trailers. You've been watching the old movies. You're caught – like you're, you're in the Star Wars, the thick of it. Um, you, you went and saw the experience. You went to see this grand – the biggest movie of all time, this – meta experience where you've been following it for this whole time and now now you get to see it pay off but it doesn't it's not limited to the frames of this movie either you've been talking about you've been invested in ray for some time we've all people have been very excited about this character and i didn't really get there until i saw it a second time when i knew ray already when i was kind of really into finn i want to see that action again the first time i saw this movie i saw a movie and i was a little disappointed 
I think that's going to become even more important as the new trilogy rolls on because the supplemental material, which for this first one was all marketing, seems to be something that's going to become more and more important in your understanding of the nuances of the story. Like the movies You're talking stand about like themselves. novels and stuff? Yeah, like novels and comic books and um, really just stuff that we learn in... <laughs> You know, video, market, game. video games. Yeah. <laughs> video games. Um, Not gonna get me. Really... Don't, don't make me fucking play a video game. <laughs> I, I gonna... bought the uh, I bought the three Star Wars comic books or three it's of the be Star Wars comic books. Yeah, just to get into that. But um, Neil, I'm wondering, your roommate I know is like hugely obsessed. Like mm-hmm. bigger, bigger. Is he a bigger fan than Dave? I don't know. He's a huge fan, Star Wars fan. He, yeah. I mean, he and Dave would be. Real good friends, real real bros. <laughs> real bros. <laughs> and I know you, you, you like shared spoilers with him. Was he sort of before? Well, yeah. Right? And, well, and it was. You it's shared been spoilers. Funny, <laughs> <laughs> it's been this funny thing where I, I will like learn something. Like Dave will tell me something, or I'll read something, and I'll come home and I'll try and tell him, and he'll be like, "Yeah, I know that. That was like yesterday." <laughs> oh, okay. He's like, that was on the Reddit, the Star Wars leaks Reddit, like two days ago. No big deal. Um, it's crazy. So, and I do think, you know, we went and saw it last night, um, and I think that there was, there is something kind of nice about seeing it, having an idea of what's going to happen, because you don't have to put pieces together. Like, you don't have to do the legwork of the right. story. Like, and there's a lot of plot. In this movie, right, mm-hmm. and and the movie goes so quickly that if you don't, if you're not catching up to it, then it's easy to get caught up in. Whoa, that was just a bunch of you know noises and and uh, visual effects. So I think that 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 matters. Um, but I will say this: I looked over, you know, during the Han scene, you know, the final Han scene, and it, it hit him just as hard as it. I think it hit anyone else in the theater. You know, even if you know it's coming, it's still that thing where it it just it punches you in the chest. That's that character that you've loved. Sabers you in the chest. Yeah, in my sabers you in the chest. In my Uh, second, in my second theater, um, when he was like walking out onto the platform, one guy like got it, and he was like, ah. And everybody else in the theater like kind of chuckled because everybody sort of felt it at that moment together. But it was like oh, three minutes before it actually happened. Yeah, I mean, you know, when someone walks out on a gangplank like that over empty space, you're like, "Oh shit, someone dies here." That's that how scene, Star Wars goes. Yeah, and that scene was so good because it stressed me. Even though I knew Han was gonna die and go over, it stressed me out so much that there was no railing on that gangplank. Yeah, <laughs> man. They didn't bring vertigo. That's He's interesting thing about. Star. Star Wars and a lot of these kind of like mega franchises, to use Dave's term, um, they're not necessarily about emotion. They're about the like audacity to kill a character, a legacy character. That's what I like about comic books, too. Like, even if Captain America dies, he's going to come back. We know it. We know we kind of see it coming from a mile away. And yet just getting to see someone, a classic character, die on screen, you're like, oh, shit, no. No, you did not just kill Han Solo. <laughs> yes, you did, I guess. Wow. And then it's not, an, it's not an emotional thing. You're not like weeping for Han Solo in that scene because it's a little too goofy and Harrison Ford's going to make a silly face because that's what Harrison Ford does in every scene. But it's, it's just Adam like, Driver it still is a punch. Adam Driver sold that for me, his face. Yeah. Uh, yeah you, I almost Ford believe that he was going to pull it off. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Adam Driver is great in that. that. Yeah, that that scene worked for me both times. And I'm like, I mean, so I think what I'm really glad I didn't know the spoiler stuff. I, I think I agree with you guys that it helps to know something about what you're going into, that having a completely blank slate like Patches did is not the, the, the best way to go. But I like watching them fold their story out. I like knowing what I know from what they've told me and then knowing on their terms, being like seeing Max von Sydow being like, you can't deny your parentage. I was like, oh, okay, he's someone's kid. Let's see how this story gets told. And even if I'm kind of guessing it ahead of them, I like watching the beats that they're trying to set up for themselves. And if you're getting the spoilers, like you're kind of hijacking their ability to tell their own story and telling your own version of it, which is not bad, but it's just not, you're not getting the story the way that the people behind it want you to have the story. Potentially. I mean, there's a difference between being like somebody's obsessed with spoilers and somebody who just absorbed all the expanded universe stuff, which I had to like revisit in between my, no, after my second viewing. So I could like figure out what planets were actually blown up and where the Senate yes. got moved. Dave and I have been having a very long text back and forth about if <laughs> Coruscant was destroyed in The Force Awakens because I kind of want it to have been destroyed. Yeah. Um, be- that would be the biggest fuck you to George Lucas and the, the prequels. prequels. Yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, I'm going to make my own Star Wars movie, George, and I'm going to destroy everything you just spent the last 20 years creating your in one giant city blast. planets. Everyone fuck hates you. your city planet. <laughs> yeah. We're going to blow been a Jar Jar, up. Jar Gungan whale. In that <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. Yeah. Are we sure Jar Jar wasn't in the background in that scene? Like that one shot where they show like all the people who are about to die? Right. I mean, I was too distracted I, looking at the uh, senator type or the chancellor looking guy because that's what started convincing me it was Coruscant because there's, whole, there's all these references to the Senate and the Republic. And I was trying to figure in the second viewing, trying to figure out that relationship because the resistance, the Republic exists. It's just off somewhere else. It's very, it's very confusing. They, and they, like, said a, they said a couple of times I noticed like in a distant galaxy, the Republic is doing this. Like the Republic is really far away. I think we talked about this in the review. They reference, yeah, they reference yeah. the Senate. But they do, they do blow the Senate up. Uh, that is a little bit of a distracting shot, that balcony shot, because it feels like I should recognize a face in that crowd, especially given the various cameos in the movie. The both right. times I've been scanning that crowd, being like, who am I supposed to recognize? Well, Who's especially here? Yeah. the here? shot right before that is a kind of cityscape, which makes people like us probably think Coruscant. Yeah. And that's why I was like looking for the Jedi Temple. I'm looking for some like, what are you telling me spending two seconds on a on a vista and then two seconds on this crowd of people that maybe we yeah we should be picking someone out of the crowd but oh well what were the other planets that were destroyed Th- were there cutaways there um, no they, they named the system i just it's, it's i Hosnian, didn't catch it it's the hosnian Hos- system and okay. hosnian prime is where the new senate is stationed so they blew up ah. the Senate, and it's it's still unclear as <laughs> well, of this afternoon on Reddit uh, <laughs> whether they blew up multiple like planets in the Hosnian system or just Hosnian oh. Prime and all of its moons. Oh, oh, moons. oh. well, that I thought it was like, like five planets. Like, is there a lot of stuff planets. on the moons? Well, uh, Endor was a moon. That's true, but there's That's only no a base. Look at me. <laughs> yes. No, it's Star Wars. <laughs> they they destroyed an entire Hosnian uh, Ewok pack. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> they do no. like to live on the moons. Yep. But yeah, that that and then then all the politics that went on that now I realize were sort of like hinted at, and then there's a hint at a little bit more in the crawl, and I think they're really detailed in the visual uh, dictionary, <clears throat> visual <laughs> reference guide. 
but like it's, it's the only reason a Star Wars movie really needs to exist. If I can be quite honest, I that's know, why the I've, prequels are okay. So, <laughs> Visual dictionaries. Know, if we're talking about spoilers and, and this movie and and you know, was it wiser to go the Patches path or the Dave path or somewhere in between, which is where we find Katie about balance, balancing everything. Um, <laughs> I, I think balance the light in the dark. <laughs> you do. Uh, you're the glue. Remember? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that this particular movie. It's not true for every movie, but this particular movie is a movie that is rewards. Uh, rewatches, right? I think that's uh, a sentiment I've heard from both Katie and Patches on this very podcast. And I the think second you time you saw, it, you saw I, it, I I definitely agree. And uh, you know, so it might be that that we kind of had a preview already. Maybe that's why I loved it so much the first time is because I had already seen it as it played out in Dave's exactly. like imagination. Exactly. You know, so I was <laughs> I think- already rewatching it the first time I saw it. I think you're spot on um, that. The, well, first off, I don't really see these as movies anymore. They're to be lived in, as I said, beforehand, after. These conversations are part of what the, the pleasures of Star Wars. Um, but I also think J.J. Abrams learned a lot from uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes, he where did. The mystery box was closed, taped up, locked, <laughs> thro- put in a safe, thrown off uh, into the ocean. Uh, but it was disaster. also kind of transparent. <laughs> right. That was the problem. He he hates fandom. He hates fandom and he hates this kind of meta experience that we want to have about these movies that we love that aren't really movies. There's something more. Um, and, he, and he hates them so much. He hates them so much. He made Kylo Ren, the ultimate fanboy who's angry and sucks. Um, I really do think Kylo Ren is kind of this manifestation of everything J.J. Abrams hates about fandom, probably to get his own anger out and allow the mystery box to sit half open for this movie. Why are you giving all the credit to Abrams when, like, Kasdan doesn't Kasdan get some of the credit for creating that character? Well, he definitely makes the character for Abrams, and Abrams sits in a room and goes, I fucking hate that. Everything, I'll show him. It's very a tourist of you. I, from what I've been, uh, I'm starting to That's get. A, just writing J.J. Abrams fan fiction now. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> there was That's a what inter- I had to do in my time away from spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was on Conan that they had uh, Adam Driver and Oscar Isaac, and they were talking about how uh, Adam Driver had spent all this time working on like the Kylo Ren voice, and like the first time they did it, it was in the scene with Oscar Isaac. And he like did it, and apparently J.J. Abram came over and was like, "Yeah, you know, let's just try something else." And apparently Adam Driver like kind of freaked out and started like pacing around in the mask. Oh God! And so I'm starting to get the feeling that like that character might end up being a lot of Adam Driver, which is good because he's great. It's going to be interesting to see what sort of continuity they could pull out of this, which is a movie about you know being an adventure, but ultimately it has to like shoot off two more movies that feel like they're also adventures within this adventure. A lot of adventures. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> I came up with a theory today that Kylo Ren represents the prequels. Uh, Luke Skywalker is George Lucas. And so George Lucas tries to make these prequels. So Luke tries to form Kylo Ren into this Jedi. It goes disastrously. And then Luke and George Lucas went into exile. And they're like, and when Luke sees the lightsaber, he's like, no, fuck no, 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 I don't, no, no, don't want to do it again. And J.J. Abrams is Ray. (laughs) Yeah. Initially doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Relents. Oh, he refuses Mm -hmm. the call. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. 
Yes. I like that. I like that. that well, he's definitely Ray because Ray loves magic and she loves myth and she loves Ooh. believing in stories I... and not really learning anything about them or just like having them slowly trickle into her life. She she can sit in the desert and imagine herself at the movies. You know, that's that's Ray. And then there's uh, a fanboy who's like, all I want is more Darth Vader. I want Darth Vader. I got a raging urge for Darth Vader. And then he is the he wants all the information, so he wants to Your kill. Your Kylo Ren voice is great; it's so good. <laughs> you I also think the, for the, the purposes, of ben. Uh, yeah, good for the purposes of this metaphor. Uh, Kasdan is Han Solo because he's like, I'll come back for like one more movie. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a good guy. Oh, then I'm out of here. One and done. No, but seriously, that's I think that is spot on. I mean, the movie is about Star Wars, which is why yeah. it beat yeah. for beat Star Wars and. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a pretty meta movie for for JJ. I was proud. I was proud of JJ Abrams for how much everyone seemed to know, having talked to you guys about it. But how much it seemed to still surprise. And I was reading the Wired interview after the fact, and he seemed very, you know, he ha- he had to have a moment of uh, reckoning with with all of this, the love that people have for Star Wars. Um, he, uh, and, and he had to tease stuff. He had to ha- give us BB-8. He and the Disney team, I think, did a really masterful job of figuring out how much information to dole out. And, like, it got a little ridiculous toward the end with all the new TV spots where you're like, there's nothing new in this. But by then, like, it was so close that it didn't matter. Um, I was really impressed with it, which, again, is, like, why I have been I was really interested in following the story that was being laid out for me by the filmmakers and not getting the additional bits that they didn't want out there just to kind of watch how the whole came together. So I, uh, can any of that really destroy it for you? I mean, in the end, can you know... I think I think the evidence here is you can't know enough to really take away a movie as long as you're not I think you guys, I mean there's still tons of spoiler phobes out on the internet who would say the opposite but I just I really feel like it depends how how plot depend depends how plot dependent uh but I I don't see this movie I don't see Star Wars as ever being super plot dependent it's always let's take this thing and go here okay let's get this thing and go over here okay this is fun it's a character and performance and that's a big reason why the prequels as we discussed before were such a nightmare and it's a big reason why the original works so well because Harrison Ford is just gushing charisma all over the place and it's enough to carry you so the performances in this movie their casting is just freaking incredible and that's something a spoiler can't tell you yeah exactly Right. I also right. think that it's um, that it's a matter of what the movie itself is trying to hide. Like, I never felt like The Force Awakens was trying to hide anything from me. Mm-hmm. You know, like it telegraphed Han Solo dying. It, it told did. us. I mean, kind of. People figured it out. You yeah. know, well, I think I feel happening. like that was mostly a meta thing about being like Harrison Ford never wanted to come back. He wanted Han Solo. Yeah. I think that was how people put together more than through uh, what the movie was putting out there. I don't know. Some it, people I uh, talked to in the theater said that they felt like the movie telegraphed his death and they didn't know anything going in. So huh. I don't know. Um, but it also, I mean, they told us about Kylo Ren's parentage right away. Um, yeah, that was you so know, I think there's a difference between this and like a movie like The Usual Suspects, which is trying to hide right. the Kaiser Sose thing until the end. This movie didn't really, I mean, it, it hides whatever Ray's parentage is, but um, not too heavily. And I and think it that makes knowing sense. that doesn't matter. The thing about Ray's parentage that I was so impressed by is that you can tell that Han Solo knows who her parents are. 
Like he is like Masconada asking who's, who's the girl, and he, well, he has this like he keeps looking at her in this way. He has this really guilty look on his face when she's like amazed by all the trees on. Um, That's the look, yeah, that, yeah, like, and like he he knows something he's not telling her. Uh, it's unclear what Leia knows, which is interesting. Um, but she I knows think, like, something in that last. That yeah, scene I, yeah, that's true. Together. Um, so yeah, like everyone knows something and Ray doesn't, but it like, it plays in a way that doesn't make you frustrated where you're like, I know she matters. Why won't you tell me movie? Like the movie's like, okay, just hang on. Like for you. Right. <laughs> that's, Dave, that's are you frustrated? Dude. That's are the downside. If there is any downside to thinking, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. When some that big of a chunk, like when s- stuff that you're expecting and stuff that you weren't sure about, like falls away. It's like, and you get stuff to the end and you're like, they get to the island and you're like, oh man, they're not gonna, they're not gonna say anything. Like unless Luke turns around and says something, which I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Like just daughter, aunt, mother, aunt, mother. Yeah. Hello, niece, <laughs> Auntie Ray. <laughs> well, <Ben>! what? <laughs> you guys want to hear the way that? <laughs> no. Is some okay? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't want. Really I don't want to hear. I mean, no, you can no. tell me later, but this is not a year and a half right. out. Rumors. <laughs> So uh, I do, but yeah, yeah later. That was yeah, a, later. <laughs> one of my one of my initial reactions was like, we don't know anything. Uh, along with you know being happy, that my primary reaction being that you know it was a good Star Wars movie, and, and then like the secondary reaction is like, but we don't know anything, and then that like initial that secondary reaction turned into questions, and then I was uh, able to get on text message threads with uh, Joe and Neil. So was, you and uh, you yeah. and Patches kind of had uh, like separate but similar reactions where he was like, "Oh, all these things that happened that I didn't like that I because I didn't know about it," and you were like, "All these things that I knew about that didn't happen and I didn't like," and it kind of faded for both of you. Um, yes, but I don't think I held that against the movie. I've come to you know a peaceful balance with myself and knowing things where it's about <laughs> it's about the execution of what I whether or not I know about it. So I was very happy with the movie overall. It didn't like, I, it wasn't, uh, I didn't get just a movie. I, like Pat just said, I got the experience immediately. Uh, I, I wanted to hone in really quickly on something that Neil said about uh, Force Awakens not having necessarily the pretense of having something to spoil. And I feel like that's so important. And so it's kind of an epidemic that's happening to pop culture right now where every show is spoilable and everything is a spoiler and that's kind of how i treat it for this experiment as if you know you if you don't want to if you don't want to know anything if you want to go the abrams route and you know go pure everything counts as a spoiler but that's like by creating the mystery box by creating and and abrams does this too like creating mystery when he would be putting clues in the trailers for um oh god super eight you know go uh frame by frame and find solve the puzzle and get to the website and like or everything about cloverfield Cloverfield. cloverfield maximize it cloverfield was a success cloverfield warped jj abrams because that totally worked we were so excited because we didn't know anything about it and it was teasing it in just the right amount of like just the droplets we needed to know to really get crazy and theorizing about this movie. But then everything became that way. He warped entertainment by having this mystery box theory uh, or this blueprint. And now everything... What? You blame JJ for all of this? I do. I do blame JJ for all of this. And then, so now we want to go frame by frame looking for, like, what can we find in these trailers? And by, like, repeating this imagery, we're 
we're you're eroding the experience. And it's mystery. It's the mystery that we're trying to preserve and the spoilers that we're trying to preserve that seem to end up challenging, you know, destroying the movie more in the pursuit to understand. It's, it's provoking us to know the spoilers, but that we're also trying to stay away from. Like, why we should get rid of spoilers, right? Spoiler alert is a terrible thing. It is a plague. <laughs> And that's what I really – the question to all of you is like, can we be done with spoilers? Like spoilers suck. They're invented by people who are trying to provoke us and it's, it's a waste. Like, have it's self-restraint. it's fair for me not to want to know Dave's information about the next Star Wars. You don't movie. have to like, so I, but, no. so, but I want a spoiler alert. I want him to say, do you want to know this? And the ability to say no. And the problem is, really, it's social media's fault. I don't even think it's J.J. Abrams' fault. It's yeah. it's a it's a fact that when we used to watch movies, we would watch the trailers, and you know maybe if we were on some like wanted to go on some deeply nerdy message boards, we could, and then we would go see the movie, and then we would talk to our real life friends about it afterwards, right. and that would be how we experienced this movie, and it wouldn't be chewed over in a million think pieces. I mean, this is what I was complaining about on Twitter, on Twitter of all places today, was just the over-processing. I don't want The Force Awakens to get over-processed. I just, I loved it. I want to talk to you guys about it, but I don't want to read a million pieces about it. Um, and well, you don't I, have to. That's the thing. You no, I don't. You're right. You're right. But I, I guess, I guess my thing is, I, I was talking to someone who was actually very deeply upset today because she didn't understand that she didn't have to. And that's what I was trying to tell people: you just don't have to. Right. You you have that option, and I think you know Amy Poehler. You have to learn. Well, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey did that hilarious uh, video for BuzzFeed where they were talking about. Um, you know, if social media is bumming you out, just don't go on social media. No, really, it is an option. Like, you can curate this to a certain degree. Not, you can't, like, completely blinker, but you can You can just... I think that's a little idealistic, but... No, I'm not saying, like, cut it out entirely. I'm just saying I think we can choose to remove ourselves a little bit more than we do. Okay. It's not easy, but, you know, I think we'll all be happier. We'll all enjoy our pop culture more if we do. You know, right. the more well, I read about The Force Awakens, the more – the probably the less I like it, I think. I guess to the definition of spoiler, I was talking to Katie about this earlier, uh, about the piece is that there's no definition for spoiler. Everyone has – you know, it's a sliding scale. What will harm your experience or what has your brain figured out will harm the experience if you know it? Um, and no one can be on the same page. And the only reason we fear it in that way is because – we are drilled into thinking there are spoilers. You know, Netflix will tell you there's spoilers in the show. Watch it all weekend. Or Disney will tell us, don't share these spoilers. You're on a journey with us. That's what they handed out when we went to the Force Awakens screening. They're like, you know, we're together in this effort to keep spoilers out of the, out of the conversation. Do this. But, like, stop telling people there's spoilers in things. And then we'll all be merrier. And then I do blame J.J. Abrams. A lot, even though social media plays a huge part of this, but J.J. Abrams didn't want to jive with social media, didn't want to evolve, wanted to keep movies like they were in the 70s um, when everything was contained in like Starlog magazine and you could buy it or not. Um, well, that's not how the world works. So you can't really just, you know, stick to your guns and create mystery because you're going to send people into a tizzy. Social media is like. And then you give people the privilege of spoilers. You weaponize spoilers. And now there are people on Reddit who are like, there are PSAs on Reddit saying, watch out for these trolls because they're going to at message you spoilers. Oh, what the fuck? That is psychotic. Bags. 
But like there have been people who would like drive past people lined up for yes. the, you know first Star Wars Preach Empire Strikes Back and be like Luke's uh, you know Vader is Luke's father like those people have always existed that's not anybody's fault. Oh, I thought you were going to say no. Snape kills. Yeah, wait. Why? Oh yeah, <laughs> no, but it's but it's that's much more rare than like oh I just logged on to Twitter to see the well, news. No, it's, and, my, oh, it's definitely so much more know. rare. But like J.J. Abrams didn't weaponize spoilers. No, I don't think. I'm, I agree with you. Sorry. I don't think Patches is right that DJ Abrams did this. I think the way that social media has changed the way we interact did this. I was thinking of the most innocuous spoiler that still rankles me to this day, which is a Parks and Recreation spoiler about, like, Leslie and Ben getting back together. And I was just on Facebook and the East Coast was watching it and they're like, oh, my God, Leslie and Ben. And I was like, you know what? I, I wanted to have that moment. For myself, and that's the stupidest thing to hold on to all these years later. But uh, the reason it happened is because of Facebook and how I felt like I needed to go on Facebook. Wait, but Leslie so and Ben get back together. For, <laughs> is it a lesson for you guys to learn. Like, to, was this an important moment for you to learn to not engage, like, be on a different schedule, evolve with the world? And if you want to preserve it, then you have to get off. Or is it the East Coast fault for talking about it and engaging with it on a show? in the way that they do now on Twitter. Uh, yeah, no, I can't ever control what the East Coast does. I still get annoyed when entertainment... Yeah, outlets... we're the East Coast! Yeah! <laughs> I, I still get annoyed when uh, entertainment outlets put major spoilers in their, like, recap tweets. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I it's not the East Coast's fault. It's, um... I guess it's up to us to stay off social media. But also just, I don't know, just generally be respectful. Yeah, you people, don't have to read that stuff. People That's at... Re- People at reply, uh, or yeah, people send Game of Thrones spoilers to Dave Chen all the time because they're assholes. Yeah. Well, I mean, also Dave Chen, I mean, he's asking for it. Well, I think I think <laughs> Game of Thrones is actually a good it's a it's a good reference point because the times Game of Thrones is most successful is when it's not doing mystery based storytelling as we're learning with this current season's cliffhanger. And, you know, when it comes back, if it's going to be able to have any power for being so far telegraphed, I'm not spoiling Game of Thrones on a Star Wars podcast on, on purpose, but um, back when, you know, I was talking to... I have Joanne, no idea what you know, you're talking about, Dave. Okay. <laughs> What's a Game of Thrones? Westeros. Back when I was talking to you two Jon about Snow. the seasons that had books, it was fun even to talk about in between weeks what the next week was going to do knowing what the next week was supposed to do and Mm -hmm. i think the more it's it's gonna be i think spoilers are sort of a thing that were created or a fear of them were created or maybe the crutch of using them as a way to create stories was like came to the forefront uh recently like around the time that they would make oscar speeches and be like and i think we're showing too much in our trailers <laughs> so like what is that clinton administration last time anyway but uh now we're gonna change the same way like seinfeld ends and like the age of irony gives way to like reactionary and uh uh, reaction culture and uh, what would what would that be in, in uh, uh, sincerity? We're sort of a sincerity culture in the sense that we honor fake sincerity. We're used to honor fake irony. So in that sense, I think that we find <laughs> like storytelling storytelling ways that don't depend on spoilers, and thereby the people can have whatever conversation they want, and the information won't harm the, the final product. So what you're saying is that a show or movie that's not trying to hide something is better. 
I think I'm saying a hybrid of everybody's <laughs> opinions. <laughs> I get if it, if a movie or a TV show is is trying to hide something, it will it will be dramatically fulfilling. It will be fulfilling in the in the in the cinematic sense, no matter what. Right. I mean, I, yeah. can you take the wind out of it? I don't know. People thought Han was going to die, and he died. It's still awesome. It's still crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I get, you know, going through this journey, uh, getting rid of spoilers of my life. Uh, I, I, I do understand why you don't want to know something in advance, but I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really fundamentally understand why we're we're you know uh how we've been programmed to feel that way i did a Um, yeah i did a weird last minute zag where you know i let dave tell me everything about the movie but when it premiered in los angeles like 12 hours before i was going to get to see it i went off twitter because i didn't want to i didn't want to read anyone's Mm. reactions i like didn't want to know what people thought even though i knew all all emotional spoilers yeah yeah emotional spoilers so i feel the same way that yeah. that is that seems to be more impactful than any th- any plot point. But the other thing is, I think I've said this on Fighting in the War Room before that um, we're so plot driven as a culture, and we're getting worse. Like spoilers make us focus on plot as if plot is the end all, be all when it's really the conduit for what's exciting about movies. Like learn the whole plot, just as Neil said, so that you can start looking around and enjoying everything and be even deeper into. A movie, um, yeah. I think high school English class <laughs> teaches us to care so much about plot that, uh, and we read so many cliff notes to get by in high school that we think spoilers. You know, we will read spoilers, and then that we think they're important when we don't know them. Is that a weird thing to posit that that it's it's actually our education system? <laughs> I mean, it might be weird our spoiler devotion. It's J.J. Abrams and the education system. <laughs> yes, which he he came up in. So <laughs> right, Rumb- I think well, it's we Rumbaldi's do. I'm very... That is true. I mean, we focus on the what more than we focus on the why or the how, which is where a lot of the real movie magic exists. It's it's about the way it makes you feel. And if people actually talked about that on Twitter, there would be no spoilers. But I also wonder right. how much how much of it is um, like a fake nostalgia for how you felt watching a thing as a kid. Because I think about, you know, I don't know, the, the show that made me the most surprised, the most emotionally devastated ever in my life was Buffy the Vampire Slayer because I was the right age. I was a teenager. Joss Whedon is qu- quite canny with his emotional manipulation. And every time a beloved character died – since I was young and impressionable and, and not too cynical yet, I was just like, oh, oh, no, you know, and it really, really got me. And when I was talking to I, I talked to a bunch of Star Wars uh, fans in line last night, and a lot of them have been going to see them opening night since the 70s and stuff like that. And um, this one guy was saying, I asked him, I was like, well, what do you most want to see? You know, and and what do you think? it would take to disappoint you and he was like you know what listen i'm not 10 anymore so no matter what it's not going to make me feel like i did when i was 10 and i was like that's such a good point i mean the force awakens does a very good job as evidenced by people crying You're such an trailers. evolved human being Where are you not on the internet 
<laughs> he is, but um, he transcended from the internet into a greater <laughs> digital space. Well, that's what I'm saying is like maybe maybe you think like oh if I don't know what's going to happen to Jon Snow, I'll be or, or whoever on Game of Thrones, whoever it is, um, <laughs> I I will be transported and shocked and surprised, and I will feel like I did when I was a kid and I didn't read the internet and I didn't read spoilers. But I don't think that's it. I mean, I think no matter what, uh, we're too we talking maybe not you listening are too old we've seen too many stories there is no such really no such thing as a spoiler you know what i also think i think that a lot of people conflate discovery with exploration so there's a difference between discovering something that you've never heard of before and we we talk about this a lot with like film festivals where you go to a movie you have no idea what it is. You might know who made it and who's in it, but otherwise you have no idea. That is you discovering something and, and emotionally discovering that. Whereas something like Star Wars, it exists. And a new Star Wars movie, you are ex- further exploring the world of Star Wars. You're, not, you're never going to be able to discover it again. You know, you're going to discover little bits of new things, new characters, but you're never going to be able to discover that initial feeling Again, you're just exploring at this point. So I think that a lot of people can't separate those two, and they think that everything should be this constant emotional discovery. And it's not. Not all, not all properties are the same. Yeah. Not all that's, Star Wars. That's why, that's why I have to stop thinking about, and I see a lot of, you know, everyone complaining about you know, DC Comics planning a nine-picture or nine-year slate and, like, oh, the gluttony of Marvel movies. And and they're like, this is the end of moviedom. Uh, this is so bad for the movies. And that's why I'm, like, I keep pushing people to think, like, this is not – they're not movies. You hit the nail on the head, Neil, that it's, like, these are just the, – they're constantly around. We're constantly talking about them. And if you're in it, you're in it. And if you're not, it doesn't matter. You can invest in whatever world you want to go to. And this whole spoiler experiment was really – Kind of thinking if I could recreate the experience I had watching Beasts of the Southern Wild at Sundance, which knocked my socks off. You know, no idea what this film's going to be about. It's so deeply cinematic and, and just the imagery is crazy. The music, oh, swelling all the time. So manipulative. Loved it. Uh, watch it again at home. Didn't really care for it. <laughs> but like just that first instance, oh, what a, I discovered. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Festival and, and fever, festival fever is real, and it's not just like, oh, I'm excited to be in this Sundance room or whatever it is. It's like we've talked about this before in relation to Star Wars. It's I don't know what I'm going into, and I don't know. Sorry, I cut you off. No, all I was going to say is that I think anyone could have seen *Beasts of the Southern Wild* and felt the same way. It's not. It's not necessarily festival fever. It's just okay, we're all talking about this film, go see it. It's going to be awesome. You don't know what it's about. You don't need to know anything about it. You don't care. You're not going to read the Beast of the Southern Wild spoilers. Like, maybe read my review, and I'll talk about how, like, crazy the fucking boars are, and in nine months, you're going to get to see it yourself and feel the rush. Like, I don't think Festival Fever is necessarily a real thing. It's a lot of blame because we all do it at once when we get out of a movie, uh, and it, I imagine it's pretty annoying, to be quite honest. But um, <laughs> I think you could still discover that film because it's a film, and, but you're not going dis- yeah, to discover oh, Star Wars saying. no matter how yeah. much you try. Yeah. And no matter how many blockades I put up on Twitter or my Facebook or, like, how many times I walk out of a movie theater to avoid the trailers, I'm not going to discover The Force Awakens. I ruined a chance to watch the trailer for the first time with all of you, and it was a huge loss. And, oh, and I was at my parents' house on Thanksgiving, and I had to spend more time with them. It was terrible. I wanted to go on Twitter. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it's it's funny because I I told you, Patches, that, that my sister and my brother-in-law knew nothing about Star Wars and hadn't seen a trailer and hadn't even tried. They're just basically Luddites to a certain degree. And, and um, <laughs> but, um, oh, shoot, what was I going to say? I don't know. Are they going to see point. the new one? Oh, no, 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 because oh, they're going to see it. Yeah, yeah, they're going to see it. And they wanted me to tell them what I thought of it. Like, they were interested in it. They just didn't bother to go look at a trailer. And um, But what could you say about it? I wouldn't even know. I mean, it's good. Go see it. Yeah, it's I just good. Said, That's all. I just said it's good. Go see it. Yeah, basically. I don't know. It's, it's, it's real. Oh, 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 I know what I was going to say. So, you know, when I told... I told them, I was like, well, that's so funny. I've got this friend who's trying to not see anything, but he's an entertainment writer. And then they like laughed until they cried. They're like, how can you be an entertainment writer? Or, or I don't know what, what title you use yourself. How can you be a film what critic? What kind of or, nerd are you? Yeah, yeah. How can you do that and, and avoid it? They were just, uh, is an astronomical feat what you did, Patches. And like, uh-huh. so even if, if you missed out on on certain things you did this amazing thing you like ran ran the pop culture iditarod or something yeah the worst part about it was (laughs) i was asked multiple times to write things related to star wars and turned it down for so i made significantly less money than i could have because i did not take star wars related work because that's what it's all about guys money bottom line you were like you were like job tested tested by both forces I think the best part about this is that I can now talk about Star Wars and Force Awakens has left me with so many questions and I can't wait to spoil myself about them as they as they come <laughs> out or like theories. I'm I'm ready to reinvest in Star Wars and I don't know I don't know what to read. Is all the expanded universe stuff garbage? I don't really want to read about the like Battle of Jakku. Okay. I don't think. Okay. I don't think. Wait, I don't no, know. That's going to be important. I think. Well, let's see. The Battle. You of think Jakku, it's going to come back? Uh, I don't know. Not really. No. I don't think so. Because it would have happened like 30-some years. I, I read somewhere today that the Battle of Jakku happened 30 years prior to the events of Force Awakens, which means Rey, the handoff, whatever happened in that flashback thing, is not the Battle of Jakku. Right. The expanded universe stuff that exists right now is there's some uh, there's Aftermath, the novel that sort of takes place after Return of the Jedi and sort of hints at where that's going to go. But like the Force Awakens parallel stuff... Uh, is probably stuff that is, will elicit some laughter in the sense that there's the little uh, uh, guy who's wearing the backpack in the Jakku market the ba- that was the first uh, puppet old, introduced old by J.J. Joe. Old Joe, is that his uh, name? Or Baba Joe. Baba Joe. Baba Joe, yeah. There's a Baba Joe spinoff uh, like young adult novel. There's what a, seriously? Yeah, there's a short story. Oh, I can't wait. About, there's the Crimson Corsair, right? Yeah, he's the guy with what? the red mask that almost takes Finn off. Uh, oh yeah, he has planet. a cool design. Yeah, there's a backstory thing for him. Uh, and then the the sexy wait, where, girl. Where is that? Where is that? Uh, there's uh, these are all in there's like collections of young adult stories that they publish in like groups of like three. So they get like groups of three stories, and there's one called Aliens, and there's one called Droids. I think, and then I, there's a new one that is coming out, or just came out Friday with the movie uh, that is called Into the Force Awakens, and there's one about Poe, and one about Rey, and one about Finn. Wow. And that's probably the most stuff, unless you're really interested about 
the aftermath side, which is going to be, there's going to be novels. Aftermath was the first in a trilogy of novels. They're going to work towards the force awakens from, uh, return of the Jedi. So the next one's about Han and Chewie going to Kashyyyk to liberate the Wookiees. Whoa. Yeah. That's kind of cool. But wait, everyone hated aftermath, right? I think you told me that. Uh, I mean, it's the actual story that it, cause it, it can't be a novel just about leading into a movie. So the actual core story <laughs> is about another group of like rebels and that isn't so great. They have an annoying kid that's around with them. They have a battle droid that they've hacked and turned into like a killing machine. Whoa. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah. And the uh, empire is trying to sort of regather itself. So you get a little bit of idea of the empire coming but it's all pre the battle of jakku which is the last stand of the empire sort of then they sign a treaty and blah 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 blah. wait so the timeline is that the battle of jakku was 30 years before the beginning of this movie it was one year after the battle of endor okay so there's a whole year so it's 31 years basically from the end of jedi right okay I was trying to piece that together as I was thinking about parentage this morning. Oh, yeah. I worked out the ABY <laughs> a little bit on the, the fighting in the war room. Isn't the back. Return of the Jedi 32 ABY? Uh, yes. Wow. Is it really? I'm not even looking. That's awesome. I think so. Because it'd be 20, 28 years Right, so the Battle of Jakku the battle is like Yavin, 33. And the Battle of Yavin's 4? No, 4. Hmm. Yeah. So we're in about 63, 64 ABY, maybe? No, no, maybe we're in like 32 ABY. Because there's no way that Return of the Jedi is in 32 ABY, because what the Y is the Battle of Yavin in A New Hope. Oh, I guess you're right. I guess, yeah, so maybe we're in. uh, No, we're we're not in 30 then. We're closer to 32. It might be like 35, 36 ABY. Somewhere in there. I'm sure. (laughs) This is by really time, important. By the time we release this podcast, somebody will have done the math, and it will. This is after, very, after very, very important. plot plot obsession. <laughs> yeah, I'm now indulging. Well, that's this. That's but the this is the puzzle. Yeah, this is this is the puzzle is fun uh, when it comes well, to even, plot. It's not even like a puzzle. It's like a puzzle you can complete, but then you play the board game next to it, which is the best mm-hmm. part. Like you don't right. have to complete the puzzle to play the game. Right. It's the evolution of fan fiction. And it's yes. great. Well, actually, too. I think it's the evolution of. I, I find spoiler culture to be like an ARG in itself, or like what <laughs> VR was invented to amplify, if that makes sense. The, the, what spoiler culture has become is otherworldly. It's, it's an extra dimension, and it's, it's a new medium to itself. And yeah, it's, it's mainstreaming fan fiction in some ways, but it's also mainstreaming the ARG and it's going to probably be a very important part of VR and that sort of thing. It's feeding a hunger of fandom definitely for me. And so, you know, you just kind of digest whatever goes in and try to judge if it's stupid or not. And sometimes it leads you in the right direction. Like Han Solo's going to die. Sometimes it leads you in the wrong direction. Like they wouldn't use a cross guard lightsaber. That's just too stupid. He didn't really use it for good reasons, or there doesn't seem to be a point. He used it for the perfect reason because it's exhaust. I don't want to get into you with this again. All right. (laughs) I'm sorry. Also, it comes in handy handy in those close quarters moments where you are uh, locked up with another person. Yeah. You know, like what gets Finn at the end. I was like, oh, like that would have been helpful in every lightsaber battle in the history of Star Wars. 
just pivot it. Right. Um, why he didn't do it to Ray is uh, who knows. Wait, so who is Snoke? Let's just wrap this up by asking a bunch of silly, spoiler-heavy questions. And yes. Since, it's, since we're talking about speculation, you. where do we go from here? But also, I think Snoke is an important question. Wait, no, wait. My real first question is who is Max von Sydow playing? Because I know he's credited as Lore Santeca, but yes. he seems more important. Uh, I think he There's, will. He will, will be. be. Oh, he will. I think you, whoever he is, I think he was there to keep an eye on Ray. Good, good idea. Oh, just like Obi Wan was there on. Oh, sorry. That makes sense. That, makes that wasn't sense. sarcastic. That just like a light just went over my head. Okay. I never really thought about it. Uh, it's, it's I've thought, this is everything I've thought about for the last like 48 hours. All the questions you're going to ask have like two versions of the answer in my mind, which is like, well, if it's going to be expanded universe content, then it's probably blank. But if it's going to be important to the sequels, then it's probably blank. Well, I feel like all the questions you would raise from the movie would be important to the movie or yeah to the movies they're not going to reveal anything important in expanded universe i don't know we're, we were talking about on the other episode how rs sing sort of came out of a one-shot appearance in the phantom menace to become like a bounty hunter character that was a character yeah, rs sing was. was standing in the background of a frame that's, Wait, not, uh, that's not having a conversation with one of the main characters have we talked about thomas birdie sangster yet no. So what is that about? I know someone I have with myself and answer answering that, but why does he have one scene? I don't understand. Yeah, why does like that's the weirdest cameo to me. Um, There's like 15 Game of Thrones people that have like one scene in this movie. Is there? There's Jessica, Jessica Henwick. Well, this well, is what happens when you write an article saying there are three, and then people <laughs> correct you. How many more are there? Uh, well, so Max Jessica Henwick, Max one sit out. Who technically not in Game of Thrones yet? Right, right, right. Um, Jessica Henwick is one of the pilots with Poe Dameron at the end. Je- in my just- opinion, Jessica Henwick was edited into this movie. <laughs> you never, you see all the other X-Wing pilots out of their plane. You never see her out of her plane. That's so interesting. I think Do you think it was a last minute, like, we need diversity. more Diversity. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, need, we need an Asian woman here. We're going to put her in a cockpit and shoot her. So, yeah. But she's, she's, she lives. She does, and she might be in more so, things, but yeah. uh, but uh, but I don't think they had cast her when they shot. It was a last minute diversity play, which uh, I mean that's fine, whatever, yeah. whatever yeah. gets it, um, <laughs> get it done. So she's in it. Gwendolyn Christie, obviously, oh, um, right. kind of. Thomas Brody Sangster <laughs> is the first order officer who says we have an unscheduled departure from Bay Two, <laughs> and then gets uh, blown up, and then gets blown up. I think. Right? Did he win a the contest? Guy... Maybe is that what he did? He did the Omaze. The Omaze gonna walk on. Uh, yeah. Park. He's like, I just want to be in Star Wars. This is not for an act. This is like, take it off my IMDb. I'm just here because I'm a huge Star Wars. It doesn't guy. surprise me considering where it was filmed. Like it's filmed in Ireland and the UK. So like. There's probably a ton of background crossover. Um, but the guy who played Ciro Farrell is um, one of the patrons in Maz Kanata's bar. What? I didn't see him, but that's what I'm told. Who's Judah Friedlander, by the way? <laughs> really? Nice. Oh, I didn't I see stayed that. for the credits, and he's as credited as a, as a cantina patron. Oh. Nice. I don't Mark know Stanley, uh, who played Gren yeah. in Game of Thrones, is one of the Knights of Wren, who's what? masked, but he is... What? Um, the He's credited as clan leader. Um, 
So, and then uh, somebody sent me another one. The, uh, the singer, the guy who played Marillion, the bard, who was yeah. traveling with Tyrion, uh, it plays a character named Brantz, who's in the background somewhere. Um, <laughs> but I'm not, counting, I'm not counting the ones that don't have a line. These will I'll, all have I'll toys by Wars next Black May. action figure someday, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Gren is a knight's, Knights of Gren? Is that what you're telling me? The knights of Gren, yes. <laughs> wow. Okay, he didn't get to take his mask off and like recite right. the the vow of the night. Just of like Ky- just like Kylo Ben and the Knights <laughs> of Gren. Yeah. <laughs> oh, band name. Um. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Brody Sangster. The, I mean, like rando Game of Thrones actors, but Thomas. It's just like maybe he all nope. the British people that we could find. <laughs> you know, you cast someone in a bit part, and then he becomes Snoke. Oh, he's definitely he was- Snoke. That's I'm, I I want to believe that until I'm shown otherwise. Thomas Brody Sangster is Snoke. <laughs> hey, they took a young person and <laughs> aged her up with CG for uh, Maz, so you could do the same thing for Snoke. Maybe it's like a Looper situation where he's like young Snoke and old what? Snoke has come back from. That's the what Star Wars needs, <laughs> and that's what they More got Ryan Johnson for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really hoping Snoke is not a character we know. I don't want it to be another callback. I just want it to be someone. It could it should just look like. A small version of his projected image. What right? would you mean by callback? I mean like, oh, it's uh, it's Darth Plagueis. Darth Plagueis. It's Darth Maul. It's a uh, wedge. <laughs> oh my god! If it's wedge Antilles, I'll be so happy. It's wedge. <laughs> <laughs> I actually it's, thought maybe Box, Max von Sydow was wedge Antilles. Uh, he's he's one of the characters you get to follow in Star Wars Aftermath patches. Uh, old wedge. Wedge. Oh, yeah. that's been fun. Um, but yeah, Max von Sydow not having the force at his uh, beck and call, it's, it seems kind of weird. I thought he was Wedge, but no. Yeah. He's Santeco. Whatever happens for everything to be happy enough that Han Solo and Leia settle down to have a family, I think is going to be like the the gem of the backstory that we're missing. Because it just would answer so many questions. Like, how does Ben turn? What's up with the Jedi school? Uh, like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe we should wrap with that. Like, the flash back, flash forward. Let's do some speculation. I think, yeah, I think it's all. Because it was flash that- forward, Dave. I don't know if you know. From our last podcast, you were pretty certain. You bet me that it was not. Yeah, yeah I owe you $10 so for that one shot at the wrong. end. And maybe that one shot at the beginning when she's in the triangular hallways, unless she's in a triangular hallway in the future. <laughs> but um yeah it, it's it seems like there's um a gem of story that's in like a five-year period that is about like young offspring and things going bad and i wonder if they're just gonna mine it for flashback material uh or if that's like the t- it feeds all the expanded universe for like five years and that's their plan they gotta come back to it well i mean they gotta come back to parts of it but they don't have to like tell the actual story so like luke could be like i did something horrible to stop try to stop the slaughter and could never forgive myself so i stranded you on a planet or they could just you know have the knights of ren never be explained be like i'm the master of the knights of ren Here's, I, I mean, I hope they don't over-explain. I'm okay with them not, like, explaining everything. But <laughs> Dave's like, I'm not. But um, <laughs> here's 
the question is going for, you know, Katie seems convinced and she's not here to agree with me that she's convinced of this, but take my word for it. Katie <laughs> seems convinced that they brought in JJ Abrams to do a very sort of safe, soft reboot basically of a new hope, mission but that accomplished, but that yes, mission, <laughs> mission impossible accomplished, but that they've hired Ryan Johnson to do something to different and more audacious, you know, more experimental. Um, well, he's writing the second one and the third one. Yeah, right? he's writing eight and nine. So they and basically were like, here you go. You get everything but Han. Right. But so the question is, do you think the trilogy going forward is going to continue to follow the original trilogy model? Because, you know, here we got the reveal. Okay, we've got our young hero that we met. She finds out that she has the force like Luke did. And then in the second movie, she's going to find out who her parents are. Or maybe she already knows. And the third movie. I think she already knows. Is she going to find out who her sibling is? Yeah, I think she's told. Uh, Well, in that in that silent scene. With Leia, yeah. right? Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think we're the ones. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? I don't. Yeah. I didn't get that impression. She doesn't seem that confident that she knows. She what's seems going to on. know. Well, see, she sees a fine Luke because she knows that she's part of the lineage, or at least she has a connection to the lightsaber. But so, she was like and so trembling and crying when she saw Luke. Oh, Han is... died. Yeah. She was. She had um, a like I, I father think, thing going with Han. No, I'm saying in between. Hey, R two D 2s finish the map, and hey, go find Luke Skywalker. Yeah, with somebody tells dick. her. Yeah, exactly. Someone tells her who her parents are and why. Because, like, you can't just be like, "Here's your new mysterious quest." That other guy will explain it to you. You, you should be like, you know, hey. I don't. I think. I think it's even simpler that. than that. I think it's one of those search your feelings moment when she sees Leia when she gets back. Oh, like she knows. That's good too. She just yeah. intri- she just knows in her heart that oh shit that's my mom. I didn't think any of those moments really were pregnant enough to since we're talking about children. Um, <laughs> hold that really, shot so really long. Have that, have that connection. Have that answer necessarily. That I, hug I is that so intense between Leia and Ray. Like well, uh, the second time I watched it, they're like surrogate father and. But they've never met. Husband. They've yeah. never yeah, met. Yeah, but they share a man. But they don't know. They've never had a conversation. Like, uh, she doesn't know that Leia that, doesn't know, know how important. Leia. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Well, here's my real theory. This is so people are wondering. You know, <laughs> is it Han and Leia's? Is Ray Han and Leia's kid, or is uh, Ray Luke and you know who knows his kid? Which right. would probably be interesting because then you get to add someone new to the mix. Like, who would that be? It's interesting. Or was she born of the Force? Well, maybe. Here's what really happened. So, <laughs> back when, back when first while on Star Wars, yeah. before Luke and Leia knew they were brother and sister, okay. they had a moment. And I'm just saying, oh, this the inc- might be some some sort of like. That's why Ray is so powerful. Yeah, she's like she's see, in the Star force. Wars universe. Uh, yeah, <laughs> incest actually gives you double force. Yeah, that's what I've that's what I've heard. As we all know, I, th- I think Mendel Mendel said that. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, uh, that's the theory force. I'm running with. Okay. Take it away, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I kind of I think yeah, the two prevailing theories, right? Are either she's 
Han and Leia's daughter, but it's very weird they never talked about her when they were in the context of talking about their son. So one of them didn't know, though. Right. So Neil's theory is that Han doesn't know because he left, which is a decent theory. It would be cool if she was neither. Like, if she's not anyone's kid, but she's somehow been imbued with the Skywalker lineage, that whatever people obsess about with the skywalkers if they are the all you know anakin was the chosen one or something he was born of the force whatever this energy that the skywalkers carry somehow transferred to her maybe during jakku or or something like that that she's not really or tied like to the parents family. like boned right next to a force tree yes exactly it's like like <laughs> putting your head near the microwave or something She's like, a, she's like a Chernobyl baby. But yeah, like- <laughs> yes, exactly. There was a force explosion, and she was just a little too close. If we give it to them that they're not being withholding, then I'm a big fan of the theory that whatever happened with uh, Ben made Luke do something that made him question if what he was doing is right, like reaching into other people's minds and maybe deleting their other daughter yeah i think todd at um vox proposed that yeah um, that's where i read it most that it's interesting O'Brace. but i feel like it's a little too complex well yeah that's some fan theory well, I, so here's I, the, I did not read that but that is some good fan fiction here, here's the thing like, the twins are sort of an echo or if they are twins it's uh jason solo from the expanded universe is sort of like ben solo J- jason Solo because he goes Greg to solo. He goes to Jedi camp and turns Darth. I think he becomes Darth Cadus or something like that uh, under Luke's rule. And then there's also an expanded universe story with sort of like this mad Jedi. So I think they're sort of like finding the stuff that was really good and sort of like using that as a jumping off point. I don't know if that was like a way to, um, you know, build a story quickly and Ryan Johnson isn't going to do that. But I really like the idea of Luke of being like, I am like a power, the most powerful like being. And that's uh, terrifying to me. And so I didn't go to find like the main Jedi temple. I like went away because I would have like killed everyone. I love it. Episode eight. Here we come. And that's going to do it for our Fighting in the War Room Star Wars special for this, the year of our Time Lord, Doc Amit Brown, 2015. On this podcast, you heard Katie Rich from Bandy Ferris Hollywood. You could follow her on Twitter at Katie Rich. Matt Patches from Thrillist Entertainment. You could follow him on Twitter at Mr. Patches. Joanna Robinson, also of Vanity Fair's Hollywood. You could follow her on Twitter at Joe Rokthis. Neil Miller of Film School Rejects. You could follow him on Twitter at Rejects. And myself, Dave Gonzalez. You could follow me on Twitter at DA7E. That is it for the Star Wars specials this year. May the Force be with you.